Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Friday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up in just a moment, a a conversation on allyship as it relates to the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. And all this week, I've had these conversations. So here's what Georgia Senator Michelle Au said the other day. I think the things that have made it easier is having many of our legislators in the same chamber come up to me and express solidarity, expressing the desire to stand up and speak about these issues themselves, uh, because it is not an Asian American problem. This is an American problem, and this is the problem that we all have to deal with. So today's Feedback Friday question, what does it mean to be an ally in coalition with the AAPI community? Diversity, equity, and inclusion expert Global, Natasha Reed Rice joins me, and we want to hear from you. So I'll give this number out many times before, and the number is 404-870-0135. That's moments away. But first this, The names of those killed in the Atlanta spa shootings have been made public. And according to the Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office, they are 74-year-old Soon Si Park, 69-year-old Suncha Kim, 63-year-old Yang A. Yu, and a mother of two, 51-year-old Hong Jong Grant, her son Randy writing on Facebook, quote, she was one of my best friends and the strongest influence on who we are today. Losing her has put a new lens on my eyes on the amount of hate that exists in our world, close quote. Now today, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris will be in Georgia, and they'll meet with some of Georgia's Asian American and Pacific Islander lawmakers and community leaders. Biden and Harris were already expected to visit Atlanta, but today they will focus on being there for the community. They'll also visit the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to discuss the COVID-19 pandemic. Meanwhile, related to all of that, yesterday, 1,286 new cases were reported, along with 57 deaths. So now, the total number of cases confirmed in Georgia since all this began last March, 839,823 confirmed coronavirus cases. The number of hospitalizations now is at 57,721. In total, Georgians have been hospitalized. Sadly, 16,053 Georgians have died due to the coronavirus. When we return, what does it mean to be an ally in coalition with the Asian American Pacific Islander community? That is our Feedback Friday question, the number 404-870-0135. We're back in a moment. This is Closer Look. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. And Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. In this hour, a conversation on what it means to be an ally in coalition with the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Now, all this week, I had a lot of conversations. And in my conversation with Aisha Kawib Mahmoud, Executive Director of the Norcross-based Asian American Advocacy Fund, she talked about what this moment means for support, 
Coalition and what she called transformative justice. Transformative justice, it, it is going to be a, a long process to make sure that all of the impacted people have an opportunity to really um, address what it is they need from, from this situation, right? It, it may not um, appear through the lens of law enforcement. It may not appear through the lens of any sort of judicial action, but making sure that all the, the wrongs have been righted and that anyone that are, any one of our community members that are feeling the impacts of this, um, of this violence and the fear of what is to come has something that they can look forward to and say, this is the solution. And so um, I can't speak for what that justice will look like. Um, We're actively having conversations Mm -hmm. um, on on an hourly basis with with our community to figure out what the best path is forward. And um, we will will be having many um, vigils and public conversations and um, actions that we'll be taking to make sure that we can get us to that point. And so we ask you, our listeners, the community, Where are you as an ally to the AAPI community? And if you're not sure, what do you want to know? The number, 404-870-0135. Again, 404-870-0135. I am an expert in some things like, you know, hip-hop and how to take care of cats. I am not an expert in this. So joining me today to get the conversation started is Natasha Reed Rice, the Minister for Public Life at All Saints and a global DEI, and for those that don't know what that means, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Habitat. And we've had so many conversations before. Natasha, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Great to be with you today. Let's begin with your thoughts on the events of Tuesday evening. My first thoughts were truly reeling, emotionally reeling, like not again. These families, the friends, I mean, you know, we hear the count, the number count. We hear, is this happening again? But this is someone went to work and didn't anticipate this being their day. You know, and so really the emotional toll of it hits first, you know, before we take this into this kind of larger social conversation, just as you began your broadcast today, these are people with names, with children, um, with loved ones. Uh, And so the hatred, the violence, um, all of that hit initially. Right. And Mm -hmm. the oh, my gosh, what is happening in this moment? Humankind does not seem so kind. Those were all of those thoughts. And you heard the quote there from the son uh, talking about his mom. And he said his eyes have been open to how much hate there is in this world. And Natasha, despite what this shooter has said, do you believe these killings were racially motivated? I think it is very difficult to... um, extract the racial element from these killings. Um, the, now talking about the larger context, right? In, in the midst of all of this anti-Asian violence, um, knowing what I've experienced in the work that I've been involved in against the human sex trafficking industry, knowing also that, cause we don't know that any of these victims were involved in human sex trafficking or labor mm-hmm. trafficking, mm-hmm. but just kind of hearing about that context and culture within the city of Atlanta, And also the fact that if this was as, and I don't like to focus on the perpetrator's issues because it's not, and in my opinion, at this point, it's not about him, Mm -hmm. right? But if if his issue really is sex addiction, he specifically targeted a place where Asian women work. There were many other places that are involved in this sex addiction ecosystem, but he specifically targeted this place. So I can't tell anyone what his intent is. All I can look at is the impact of his actions. And there does appear to be a connection, obviously, with the issue of race, with the issue of gender, um, and clearly connecting that to an issue of hate. And now in the aftermath, like so many times before, after there's a mass shooting, where it appears a particular group is targeted, and you and I have had so many conversations on this, not just here on WABE, but out in the community. And the question is always, okay, where do we go from here? And the question is, well, how can I be an ally or a better ally? Or I don't know what to do. What can I do? And that's the question we're asking our listeners today. So we want to hear from you. 404-870-0135. Again, 404-870-0135. Where are you as an ally to the Asian American Pacific Islander community. 
Natasha, let's start with some basics. I like to be fair. Someone says, well, when you say ally, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you and I have had this conversation before uh, about this the, the issue on ally. To me, we have to be very careful when we talk about it because I think the way in which it's often talked about, it removes the agency from the person asking the question. Mm -hmm. A person says, how can I be an ally? And they're asking the victim of the violence or the victim of the oppression, whereas that victim is already dealing with enough. So why are they now burdened with teaching you how to be an ally? So I think if we were in church, yeah. I'd have a fan going preach because <laughs> if we, we get that really question. That. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if a country goes to war and I mean, in some ways, this is a battle. This is a war. A country goes to war. Another country comes along to help them. That country that comes along to help the country in war is an ally. Think about that. The burden then, if we use that analogy to this conversation on race and equity and diversity and inclusion, the burden is then on the one that is already reeling from the oppression. Mm -hmm. So as an ally, you don't want to put that greater burden on them as an ally. Then you need to take up charge, become more of an accomplice, join in the fight, educate yourself, become aware. And I always say it really gets down to basics. What would you do if that was your mother or your sister mm -hmm. that was murdered? Mm -hmm. Act in that vein. Don't wait on those who are reeling from this loss to tell you and instruct you. Mm. Our number is 404 eight seven zero zero one three five for feedback Friday again four zero four eight seven zero zero one three five the question is where are you as an ally in all of this or do you have questions about what that means let's go to Vanessa Vanessa thanks so much for taking the time is Vanessa ready we seem to have some difficulties but Vanessa will try to get her on in just a moment uh, when it comes to the role of the ally. Natasha, give our listeners some insight. And, and I hate to start it this way, but what you should not do, I guess, is you know, when you talk about the do's and the don'ts, but what you don't want to do yeah. as an ally, you know, what's that the one thing you don't want to say, you know, and people will be honest and say, I don't know what to say, but here are some things you shouldn't mm -hmm. say. Yeah, I think, and it's interesting when you were introducing me, the, the expert idea, I would never want to take up the mantle of the expert. I think I'm always in a learning role because mm -hmm. I think especially when we come to this conversation on equity, on interrelationship within this sphere, we can't come into it with an expert. So I don't want to presume your needs. I want, you know, there is some questioning. How can I best support you? observe the situation, learn about. There are many people who think that the Asian com community is monolithic. It is not. There's great diversity within mm -hmm. the Asian American community, the Asian community worldwide. Um, and so learn more. Tap into the organizations that are out there advancing justice, right? That are advancing justice on behalf of our Asian American community. What are those differences? What are the nuances? Um, what are the cultural differences? Understanding that and how to be very respectful in this moment. All right, 404-870-0135. That is the number, 404-870-0135. How are you going to show up as an ally in all of this? Now we know Vanessa's ready. Vanessa, thanks for taking the time. Can you hear me? Let's try Vanessa again. Vanessa, can you hear me? Yes, I can. I think Grace was having some setbacks in, on her side of the thing. Oh, but don't blame my producer. You don't know that. There you go. Blame <laughs> you know it. That's the I, problem. I got her back. I got her back. Uh -huh. I got her back. And I said, it's Friday. Are you blaming my producer on this? <laughs> no, we do not. No, no. Let me clear this up. Let me clear. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Because what I wanted to say was, because I love me some Grace. And and, and Miss, Miss, Miss Scott, may I ask you a question before I answer the question? that you brought up this glorious day. Thank you. Uh, are you getting any more awards? Because I think you need one for the movement that you it. called us in 2020. I'm just saying. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and I have a great small... We're, we're small, but we're mighty. But no, we, we've... Uh... Oh, you did, you did, you did something very powerful. And then, so then I can get off the phone real quick, but I, I thank God for you because you did that one. It's almost like oh, I can man. turn on your talk show and get a piece of paper. And it's almost like being in college all over again and catch a little bit oh, of wow. tutorial. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Okay. All right. But now, um, um, uh, once again, condolences to the people who have lost their loved ones. 
Mm-hmm. And all I would like to kind of say, uh, because I was going to be mad at you if I didn't see it, but I tweeted, I looked at your tweet and I was like, okay, she finally, she talked about the elephant on the wall to the best of her ability without looking like Monique. Because we know we love you. We want you to keep your job. Uh, but it is true. It's, 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 it's blatantly obvious, you know. And when he said, oh, the boy just had a bad day, that's an audacity. That an officer, that an authority says something like that. So now we know what time it is. Mm-hmm. Well, let me okay. ask you this. How, yes, how do you feel you can be part of the movement or the solution or, or being part of helping our fellow Asian Americans and Island Pacifica, Island Pacificers right now because there's some hurt in their community, obviously. As a black woman, we've been there too. But, I, I, but, yes, but what can you do in this moment? What I would like to do is at least uh, know more. You know what I would like? And I was going to segue into that. I'd like for us just overall as humanity, whether you're Spanish, Asian, or whoever, you know, I don't like being identified as black, brown, or whatever. We're humanity. So why is it that we can't just talk to one another on a day-to-day basis like regular human beings? Why does it take travesty in order for us to all of a sudden go and ask for help? Now, I'm going to be blatantly crass. I'm not trying to start no trouble. But, you know, during the the Black Lives Matter movement, we didn't get, we got some help, but we didn't get a lot of help. Everybody was like, you know, um, kind of sucks to be you and hang in there. We got you. But I would like for it not to come to this type of situation to where we have to, like, pick and choose about why we want to help. This, this, this glaze conduit that you are initiating, which is fantastic, and I appreciate it, and it, it sets a decorum, and it sets a platform. That's why I say you the boss, and I will always love you, um, for us to have to get to this type of communication that we should have overall. Mm. That's what I'd like to see. I just want everybody to just have common respect for one another. But uh, I would like to know where they're going to be protesting, because I still think that uh, this would be, and this I'm not, uh, let me give an eye, whoever's out there with the Black Lives Matter movement, this would be a time for you to go and be with your brothers and sisters, because at the end of the day, they're fighting the same enemy that you fought. So now you've got to focus and follow through and keep the momentum with the movement that y'all did fantastically. Because right. the fight is not over. Thanks for that. And this. I want to thank you. Bye, baby. Be sweet. All right, now. I think it might be a member of my family. Natasha, right. Vanessa talked about, at the end, coalition, collaboration, showing up for others who mm-hmm. don't look like us, whatever have you. How important is that in all of this? Oh, it's, it's essential. I mean, it points out the, the importance of realizing we're all interrelated, whether we like it or not. And how awesome it is to embrace that interrelatedness, you know, that whole, you know, as King says, you know, I can't be the best I ought to be to you're the best you ought to be. Mm -hmm. This is also one of those moments where we realize when travesty and violence comes against you, it comes against all of us. So another important point of supporting um, um, a house that is on fire, right, in this instance, the Asian American community's house is on fire, is we cannot be silent. That's why I love that you're even having a show about this. But what I want, I, I want to take that back to the fact that when all these anti-Asian messages were coming out as, as, as a point of blame for this pandemic, where were the people who stayed silent? Mm-hmm. Why were they silent? Why did they allow this monster to grow, right? Mm-hmm. This monster of hate and racism and anger. I mean, this is one incidence of Asian of violence against Asian Americans. We're seeing it all over the country right now in this moment because certain people have remained silent. Hmm. Like King says, in the end, we won't remember the words of our enemies. We will remember the silence of our friends. There are some folks who are trying to call themselves allies today who are remaining silent, who are calling themselves friends of the movement today who are remaining silent. There are those who are in positions of responsibility and authority who are supposed to speak on behalf of their constituents even those who may not have voted for them, but they're still in the areas you claim to represent. You've got to speak out on this. And that's what we're talking about today. The number 404-870-0135. What is your role? Or how do you see your role as an ally? Let's go to Truist. Yes. Truist, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. What so you? happy to be here. Well, thank you. Um, how do you, you see yourself as an ally of this, or do you have any questions? You know, um, 
I don't have any questions. I, I really feel as though coming from our community, as you said earlier, we are we are most closely understanding the the pain and suffering. Um, really, to make a statement, uh, that racism is, is a pandemic um, at epic proportions now, and we are the vaccine. And so, what I would offer up would simply be a matter of looking at ourselves individually. What are we doing to actively engage in doing the work of ending racism? and holding our uh, leaders we voted in office accountable for their role, and not just speaking up with words, but mm. things that are actionable, things that are tangible, things that feel like we're moving the needle forward. These people are becoming more bold and emboldened because they clearly don't have enough fear to stop. So we need to work that out in our communities with each other. Um, I just stand with our Asian brothers and sisters. I grew up on a military base where this, you know, I just don't understand why this is still being allowed or tolerated, and it's time for it to stop. Uh, thank you so much, Truis. I appreciate that. And Natasha, before I get to Jenny, you know, there was a report that came out that there was, in terms of what was reported, 3,800 incidents of violence against Asian Americans since probably about March of last year to February of this year. And that wow. may not even account for the true number because, as many of my guests this week have said, there are so many incidents where folks will not report an incident for fear. For you know, there's a lot of optics to that too. So it's a whole nother conversation. This number four zero four eight seven zero zero one three five. If you're just joining us, I'm joined by Natasha Reed Rice, and we're talking about. We're asking a question. We're asking you, the community. You know, how do you see yourself as an ally in all of this? Let's check in with Jenny. Jenny, thanks for taking the time. Yes. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Not too good. This is personal to me in many levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number one, uh, I'm a wife who has suffered with a husband who has been addicted to pornography for, wow, I don't know how long. And we have been counting like day 70 now where we're clear of it. And yesterday, we both, our hearts dropped because this should not have happened it should not have happened, period. And it hurt us both. We've been dealing with this. But number two is, we want to know what we can do now because just saying I'm sorry is not enough. We don't know. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to support this hatred that I know since Trump started this. Chinese crew and all of this, you can't tell me this is not also racially mm-hmm. derived. It is, and I'm not turning a blind eye to this. It really, I am in tears. Yeah, I hear it in your voice, Jenny, and, and we appreciate you taking the time to call. Natasha, you're going to hear this a lot yeah. from folks. Um, yeah. Where to begin? Well, I, you know, I, I can't, you know, the minister means like I can't overlook what she just confessed. Right. So mm-hmm. one, Jenny, and I know we're not you in no way are taking the focus off of these these victims. When you talk about the own addiction that you and your husband are working through, what's what should be applauded is that you you you're not looking outwardly for others to heal the addiction. He sounds like you all are doing the hard work. You know, we've heard the narrative of this killer is that he was trying to quench the temptation rather than deal with it on his own. Any addiction is difficult. I'm not an addiction counselor. I will not pretend to be. Mm -hmm. But it is very clear that the work that you do internally is so key. And without the blaming, without the targeting of folks outside of yourself. So I applaud you and your husband for that hard work and deep dive. When you ask about what you can do, part of it is asking, what can I do? Right. You beginning at that point, but then also beginning to look, what are some of the organizations in this in our area, in our local community that are supporting these families? Mm -hmm. Do they need help with funeral expenses? I mean, just going to the basics. So when we begin looking, there are organizations in Atlanta, such as the Asian American Advancing Justice Atlanta, Mm -hmm. uh, Raksha. Asian American Advocacy Fund, Korean American Coalition of Metro Atlanta, nine to five, finding organizations that are in this fight on behalf of these families. I think doing that research, I'm sure there are many others, but figuring out how we can best support. Sometimes it's those organizations are already in the the forefront helping these families. We can even support them. 
Natasha, before we get to Gina, and I want to get your thoughts on this, and I, I realize just having you give one response may not be fair, but there was an article I read that said, don't discount evangelicalism as a factor in racist murder of Asian spy workers in Georgia. Now, this was the headline of a of a article. And we know the intersection of religion and hate and violence and race. There is a four-way intersection there, whether people want to admit it or not. Um, is What's your thoughts on that? People... You know, and, and and again, if you don't want to answer, that's fine because I want to be fair because I did not tell you we were going to talk about this. But yeah. that's coming out of this, too. I'm seeing more and more it's articles huge. about this because what we heard about this shooter was that he was part of a Bible study or a church group or, or what have you. And mm-hmm. that's always thrown up in there. We, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, too. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. So the witness of what people call Christianity gets blemished when people claim that that's their excuse for it, right? So we talk about evangelical, it's, it's a much longer conversation, as you said, for sure. But we know that religion has been used, you know, from time on in to justify racist acts. I mean, religion was utilized by white Southerners to justify slavery. You know, so when we see the play of religion, you know, sometimes people just like to slap on, well, you know, per God or according to God or according to God's will. That is, is, you know, as Jesus came into the world to remind us so much of the witness of what we understand Christ to be is not reflected in the actions of those who claim to be his disciple. He says, love one another. I often call this the third commandment as I have loved you by this. You shall be known as my disciple. Clearly murdering other people is not a witness of the loving of one another. So I'll go there. We, I'm happy to talk about it more, but I know we probably have some more questions. But that is the essence of being a disciple and one who calls themselves Christian. And that was not exhibited or witnessed in this act. Our number, 404-870-0135. It's Feedback Friday. And we're asking you out there, our listeners, our Closer Look listeners, our WAB listeners, how do you see yourself as an ally in all of this to the Asian American and Pacific Islander community? Or if you have questions, maybe you don't even know what that looks like. Let's check in with D. D, thanks for taking the time. Hello? D, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Thanks for taking the time to call in. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. I, I, um, I listen to this uh, channel when I don't want to hear uh, negative energy on other channels. I appreciate mm. that. I appreciate mm. that. Which, yeah. What do you see? Do you, how do you see yourself being an ally in all of this? Or do you have questions about it, D? I do not have questions about being an ally. Because, like, let me ask you this. D, you with me? Yeah, D's breaking up, and, and you know, that that's unfortunate. D sounded like he had a really good question. Let's check in with Lou. Is Luis? Yes. Hey, Luis. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. How you doing? Uh, I'm not doing well at all. I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to clarify something about racism because uh, I, I believe white people think that they own the United States of America. And being being Cuban and being part uh, Af- uh, Native Indian, mm-hmm. uh, Seminole Indian, uh, this country belongs to me. Okay? And they murdered my people. And another thing that you should say is in 1898, in Wellington, North Carolina, uh, racism, the government was there, but they never talk about when white people came in there and and slaughtered a whole bunch of black people. Mm -hmm. And then they took over. And and these are subjects that should be dealt with. Uh, For those people who think that because of their white, they're Americans, they're not. We're all Americans. This is a melting pot. And it's very disrespectful to think that you're the only person that has a privilege to live here. Okay? And it's very disturbing. And as, as an Cuban-American, uh, I also dealt with a lot of that. Not me, myself, because I was born here in 1962, but my parents mm-hmm. suffered a great deal of ignorance because they couldn't speak. And obviously, we couldn't speak because we were coming from Cuba. But my parents did learn how to speak English. And just for people to think that they always say that this is my country, it's not. If it's anybody's country, it's mine. And I invite people in my country that love one another and not hate one another. Good words. Luis, I appreciate you for calling in and saying that. Let's go to 
CJ. CJ, thanks for taking the time. Thank you very much. Um, well, I guess my comment is twofold. Like one, one of the things that has been a little bit disheartening to me um, in the wake of this is a lot of the, the comments and the sentiment in, in my own community, uh, just stating that, that Asians haven't really stood shoulder to shoulder with us, like in large numbers. Um, the way some other communities have, like in the past and in and, and some of the recent um, movements that the black people have been spearheading because of the problems in our community. And um, it, it's been disheartening because, like, it's twofold. One, um, over the better part of the last century, black people in America have been world leaders in the realm of civil rights. And some of the sacrifices that, that have been made um, over and over and over again. I think like that sentiment in our community is 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 really a betrayal of it. You know what I mean? I think we have to be leaders. And um, and the second the second thing is, I think it's really really disingenuous to ask folks in other communities to not wait until a problem affects them or someone close to them to address it. To say like I I don't want like I, I don't want to have to have some, you know, white, well-meaning white lady, uh, a Republican, say, uh, now my grandson is biracial, so I now have, um, now now I care about police brutality in the black community, or, or my friend is gay, so now I care about gay rights. I, you can't say to people, like, look, you need to care about human rights because it's, it's all of us. It, may, it should matter to all of us, no matter if it affects us personally. And, and in the same breath, say, that affects that community and not my community, so I'm going to turn a, a cold shoulder or a blind eye to it. And that's, that's pretty much all I had to say. Thanks. I Bye. appreciate that, CJ. Natasha, I knew this was going to come up. Let's get into it. When we talk about when someone or a group stands up, shows support, you know, look, we can't ignore that, yes, there have been issues with different ethnic groups in this nation about communities within neighborhoods. But we're talking about now in terms of coalition and collaboration and who should show up. I had a friend tell me earlier this morning we were talking about this and my friend said, you know, I feel like when black women have been killed and it's been, a you know, Breonna Taylor or Sandra Bland, more younger white people had joined the movement in the calls for justice and not many older white women. And that you, and her feeling was that, you know, I feel like there's a disconnect maybe generational when folks of other races decide when they're going to show up and who they show up for. Does that make sense? Am I making some clarity Mm -hmm. here? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And that's kind of what CJ was talking about too. And I saw all kinds of folks last summer. You know, and we talked about this, too. There was a different space because we saw so many different groups coming out in terms of calls for for racial justice as it relates to the the killing of Ahmaud Arbery and obviously George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. So how do we get Mm -hmm. now past, well, y'all have done this to our community and y'all haven't been this for us and that and all that. And how do we get into coalition building? So I think what's so important is not to ignore the history mm-hmm. of that this is this is this conversation in many ways is also informed by vestiges of colonialism because if we can keep the asian community and the black community and the latinx community fighting each other then the power structure gets to continue mm-hmm. right so we have to be very careful not to get distracted although what cj is saying is something let's bring it up let's talk about it let's that's the the notion of a beloved community does exist with tension within but with an undergirding um, ethos of love that gets us to constructive action, right? So the idea that let's talk about it, let's let's sharpen some iron. Yeah. So yeah, after George Floyd, we did finally see a multiracial outpouring. But when we had marches after Trayvon and after some of those in 2016, we did not. And my question to many of my white girlfriends was, you have sons, why aren't you on the front lines? If you really say you care, why aren't you on the front lines? And so to CJ's point, there is something about us that's very tribal. It's been layered upon by 
federal policy, state policy that has divided us through segregated housing communities, through segregation laws, through mm -hmm. ways in which we've continually stayed apart and called everyone else the other. We've got to overcome that. Mm -hmm. In this moment right here, we need to pay attention, help support and advocate because we are all in this together. This hate that we saw displayed this week is the same hate we saw in Charleston at Emmanuel AME Church. It is the same hate that we see when these other mass murders are committed. We have got to find a way to communicate to this group of folks where we're continuing, we are continuing to see hate crimes committed, especially by these young white males. I mean, I'm just gonna call it out. What do we need to do to reach that population, to have this conversation, to ensure peacefulness? What, what seeds of conversation do we need to shoot down immediately? What myths do we need to break? Because we have got to start having the hard conversation about the elephants in the room. We see some common denominators in many of these mass killings. Let's begin to deal with that common denominator and stop explaining it away and taking them to get hamburgers from Burger King after a murder and taking it into a more personal, existential, as well as heart and soul excavating conversation about what we need to do to change this dynamic and narrative. And our conversation will continue. Feedback Friday, our number 404-870-0135 as we ask the question to you all. How do you see yourself as an ally? We're back in a moment. And Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. It's Feedback Friday as we ask the question, where are you as an ally to the Asian American Pacific Islander community? And if you're not sure, what do you want to know? The number 404-870-0135. Again, 404-870-0135. I want to bring back D. Hopefully he can connect with us. D, thanks for taking the time to call back. Hey. Hey. All right, so I'm ready. What was, what was the question you asked me before uh, I got? Just uh, asking you um, if you saw yourself as an ally, or do you see yourself as an ally, or did you have questions about what okay, it means so to be this, an ally? Yeah, go ahead. This is what I wanted to say. Okay, so let me ask you this, because I listened to you, and one of the things you did say before you got on the subject was that you are, you know, you into hip-hop, right? Mm -hmm. And and um, can't remember the other thing you said, but... My point is, is that you yeah, ever look at an age, right? Look at what now? Look like us. I'm sorry. Go ahead. There's Asian people. Like I'm, I'm from the hood, right? There's Asian people you could look at and be like, that looks just like my uncle. Okay. Yeah. We are all related to an extent. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I like, feel like, you. But right. like, when it comes to Asians. And Latinos, when you talk about like the almanac, the almanacs and whatnot, like we all connect, like especially black people, Latinos, and Asians. We are all connected. The thing is, I do feel like, like what pisses me off about the situation, I don't know if I can say pissed off. Yeah, you're but fine. What makes me upset about it is that them ladies was old, man. Like, them ladies was, old, they were older women that, mm -hmm. like, that probably would just wanted to, like, probably didn't even have to work, and they were just doing something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just to just get through the day. As far as what allies go, we are always their allies. They come in our community and, and, and in our, in the hood, and they have shops. Mm -hmm. They have shops. Are there, they're having, uh, uh, we buy their, our wings from them, even though we know how to make wings we buy our wings from them we shop with them mm -hmm. well then you, you know mean? haven't saying all that you know then maybe there needs to be a conversation about having the community and then listen i know there's a whole nother conversation about when you talk about economic development and who's coming into black neighborhoods i get that brother i don't want you to think i'm dismissing that but in a moment like this maybe maybe there's time then to have a cold have have a conversation and, and Natasha is better at this than I am with the community and with all the businesses. Listen, you know, that, that's, what, that's I think, yeah. what I, what I think needs to happen is honestly, 
is that this is this is the thing. Once we realize that all of us are against white supremacy, because because there's white people that are not part of white supremacy, but once everybody realized, like, no, it's something deeper. That man said. That man said that he had a bad day. Yeah, he had a bad day. I get now you, imagine dude. if me being being a young black man, and I had a bad day. Mm. Now what would happen to me? You think I, I would probably not even make it to go to jail? I wouldn't even make it to go to jail if I was if I did that. You get what I'm saying? That's the difference. Hey, hey. he had a bad day. Yeah, I feel you on that, D. I do. Hey, listen, I want to get some other calls. I appreciate it, D. You hang in there, okay? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Thank All you. Right. Let's check in with Stephanie. Stephanie, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Hello. Hello. Hey, Stephanie, can you hear me? I can. I can. How you How doing? You doing oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to listen to you on the phone as well as wait for you to call and wait for you to answer. Thank you so much, Rose. I love listening to your show every single day. I appreciate it to uplift us. And my comment was... And I'll, I'll say this. The day before they even uh, announced that they had found this, this killer, I wrote a Twitter that says, now the next narrative is going to be a lone wolf scenario, and somehow or another they're going to start integrating sex workers into the conversation. And that's you know, on time. Yeah, but Stephanie, we don't know that we don't know that the, the I'm going to be fair because we don't know what th- these young women were doing. I think that's an no, unfair. No, yeah. no, Rose. Okay. That's what I'm getting to. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm saying, gonna, uh, that's what I knew was going to happen. Oh, okay. I knew the I, media was going right. to do that. Not me. Him alone. Not no, me, but other people. The okay. media was going right. to say he was a lone wolf, so that there would be no conspiracy added to it, and that he just did whatever, and then they're going to add sex workers to make us look at the victim as being somehow or another deserving gotcha. of what he did. And exactly right. what happened, I thought what happened is. Mm. And so mm-hmm. every time I hear something something discussed now, it's like, well, you know, he said he had a sex addiction, you know, and then they worked at a massage parlor. Well, it doesn't matter. They went to work. Mm-hmm. We know that a massage parlor is a massage parlor. We're not, we don't know what it is, but I'm not going to say that that's what they did. I'm going to say that they went to work that day. Mm-hmm. That's it. They could have right. gone to the grocery store. They could have gone anywhere. And so the fact that they took us away from their sympathy and paying attention to them and allowing us to grieve for them. Now the narrative has been, well, you know what? It wasn't even his fault. I mean, look at what these terrible women were doing to him. They were not sex workers. They were work. They went to work. Mm. They went to work. That's it. Thank you, Stephanie. No, Stephanie. No. Uh, And and Natasha, we can talk about that in a moment, but I want to get some more callers in here because I really appreciate folks taking the time. Let's check in with Rob. Rob, thanks so much. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Rob, I understand your wife knew one of the victims? Yeah, unfortunately. um, I mean, as recently as six months ago, I I picked her up from a karaoke bar in Duluth um, because they had a little bit too much fun, and so they needed someone to drive them home. So, um, But what what gets me, I hear a lot of people kind of dismissing right out of hand the racist part of this, and... um, I mean, my wife is Korean, mm-hmm. and you read the forensic reports, and this this young man, whatever you want to call him, he shot those women in the head. I mean, this mm-hmm. was not, you know, just random, I'm going to go in and shoot up a place. He went in to kill people, and that that's oh. scary. Yeah, I was reading the um, the medical examiner's report, um, and it robbed him. To your wife and obviously to the families, we're we're so sorry. Let me ask you this, Rob, and, and it may not even be because you just told me your wife was Korean. So when if someone says to you, "Well, Rob, how can I be an ally in all of this?" What would you tell them? Just stand up and and treat people with dignity and respect. I mean, I don't care what you look like. What what does that matter? Where you're mm-hmm. from? What color you are? Yeah. Hey, Rob. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. I really do. Let's check in with Earl. Earl, thanks for calling Closer Look. Yeah. Turn, turn your radio down for me. Like back in my sports talk days. Turn your radio down for me, Earl. I turned it off. Okay. Um, I'm sitting in my car. Yeah, I appreciate you pulling over because you're not driving, right, trying to talk on the no, phone. No, okay. no, no, no. Earl, what do you make of all this? How do you see yourself as an ally? 
Well, I, I'm more of a solution-oriented person, okay? Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of, I meet a lot of people. I'm an ex-personnel guy. I, I, I meet nice white people. I you know black people. I happen to be black. Uh, and uh, I was in the park the other day, and a nice white guy came to me, and he said, talk about how bad things are. And I said, yeah, they really are. And I said, I'm very solution-oriented. And I think there's a simple solution to, at least in part, to the problem. Mm-hmm. Problems are this. We, have, we know that 11 o'clock Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the black church and there's the white church. Mm-hmm. My solution is very simple. Let's have the pastors get together, black pastors and the white pastors get together and preach what's in the book that they both claim they're preaching. Now, what happens quite often is they're intimidated by at least the, if 85% or 80-something percent of the white evangelicals supported Trump, then that tells you something right there. If the pastors were to get together and agree on preaching what's in the book, love thy neighbor, the Beatitudes, and all that other good stuff, then people like this clown who killed these people wouldn't be led, misled into thinking the solution is in violence. Because everybody who preaches says they're speaking for God. Well, everybody can't be speaking for God if they're preaching and teaching hate, mm-hmm. indirect hate. You can't stand this. They're wrong. We're right. We know God. The truth of the matter is none of us know God as such. We're speaking on behalf of God, but I haven't heard him come down from heaven and say, thou should do this and you only do this. It's interpreted by the pastor. I mean, we got so many different versions of the Bible now. So... I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, Earl, you bring up a, a good point, and I want to give Natasha an opportunity to respond because, Natasha, what is the role of the faith community? I've asked this question so many times after there was a, a mass shooting, or and we've had so many of these. And, Earl, by the way, thank you so much for your call. We, I've asked mm-hmm. a question, and I've had some great folks of faith, in my opinion, who've come on to offer reflection, um, you know, bishop, rabbis, imams. They know who they are. What is the role of the of faith leaders right now? I just and and this is something that I do within my own work and ministry is it's time we have to stand up and be the witness of what love really looks like in action um and that this this idea of love crosses faith lines so I love what Earl is saying about you know bringing together black churches and white churches but we also have to join forces with our brothers and sisters who are Muslim and who are Jewish because there is such a powerful component that faith and our connection to our understanding of our creator plays in how we act, right? <laughs> you know, it influences how we act on the, the, the lines of difference with gender, with race, with sexual orientation. We have got to be a voice in the wilderness in this moment, if, if never before, to stand up not for partisan politics, <laughs> right? Not for political candidates, but truly for the sake of humanity in this moment. And so I love what all of the callers, Dee calling for us to be a human family, Stephanie calling for us to create a narrative, like that narrative creation in this moment is key. Mm -hmm. So we've got to come against those wrong narratives that continue to try to divide us, that continue to sympathize with the hate that we've seen. We've got to counter that. You were doing such a wonderful job of doing so through Closer Look. And I love the commentary that we're hearing. So yeah, Faith, Communities, I truly do believe, and I think there are many in Atlanta in particular who are standing up and being that voice. Mm-hmm. We've got to continue to encourage our leaders who are, call themselves leaders to be that. It's like Gandhi said, you know, now I'm speaking to my Christian folks. He says, I love your Christ, but I can't stand your Christians because they're not reflecting that mm-hmm. Christ. How are we reflecting Christ being bold and brave and courageous in this moment? Let me see if I can get a couple more in real quickly. Dominic, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Hi. Hey. Oh, is this WABE? It is, Dominic. It is. It's WABE, and this is Closer yes. Look. All right. So I was going to say that uh, uh, the reason some of us come to this country mm-hmm. is our perceived uh, inclusiveness of this country. We we feel that uh, this is a country where irrespective of your culture, your background, your ideologies, you are welcome. To contribute. 
Mm-hmm. So if we keep seeing uh, attacks on people who kind of look different, it puts some kind of fear in you to kind of feel like, well, am I safe? Am I going to be the next victim? Sure. You know, so yeah. it kind of prevents you from bringing out the best in you to contribute to nation building. I understand and, that. I understand, Dominic, and I appreciate you taking the time because I want to get to Jay. Dominic saying, look, you know, he can understand if some folks might be fearful now because if these acts that continue against folks that don't look like, we all don't look like each other, you know, what that does to, to folks who do come to this country or maybe they won't seek to come to this country. Jay, what's going on? How are you? Doing all right. Well, thank you for giving me a moment to speak. Uh, I appreciate it's it. It's going to be a short moment, Jay, but take, you got about 30 seconds. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, I, I believe it's self-evident that, you know, uh, violence and hate are, are ridiculous in our society. Uh, I'm concerned about the the double standards of what we consider to be, to be righteous and what we consider to be dangerous in our society. Mm-hmm. You know, we, on one hand, want to ban Dr. Seuss and Pepe Le Pew, but we don't address the issue within urban music uh, of, uh, you know, the content and what they ultimately are passing to all of our children. And I think we have a responsibility to apply a standard across the board. Well, now, Jay, that's a whole nother conversation when you talk about, you know, expression and creativity, and I feel you on that, all that. And I tell you what, we will do a show on all that because you'll get a lot of difference of opinions about it. Jay brings up the point. I'm not going to get into Pepe Le Pew, but, you know. You hear me, Natasha? Let's go to PJ before we get out here. PJ, thanks for taking the time. Yes, hi, Rose. How are you doing today? Doing all right. You got about 20 seconds. (laughs) All right. I'll be as quick as I can. I'm driving past uh, where one of the shootings just happened here in Ackworth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's really uh, frustrating for me seeing this stuff that should be so simple as just people getting together and learning from each other, being open-minded, not happening. And I really think, I've thought about this for a long time, and I really think it boils down to education. There mm-hmm. needs to be a serious push uh, across the whole country to not just have specific things taught, to actually the community get involved and bring to light things that have mm-hmm. happened locally and across the country all right. and start showing that people are all the same. I feel you, you on know? that, PJ. I do. Thank you so much to all the callers. Thank you to Natasha Reed Rice. I know... An hour is never enough, but I appreciate it. Thank you as always. Natasha, Great better bring you back. You. Yeah. Stay tuned to awesome. ninety awesome. Stay tuned to ninety point one WABE. Atlanta's choice for NPR. Y'all know the producers. Grace Walker, LaShawn Hudson, Kevin Rinker. I'm Real Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org slash election 2024.